I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're going to talk about working through issues with your family or just some strife in general as it relates to your family unit, I suppose. And here with me is Family Office Services Director Lisa Strutzel. We've had Lisa on before a couple of times, actually, so it's always an enjoyable conversation. Lisa, do you mind reminding the audience what, what it is you do and you know why, why we're talking about this topic today together? Sure. Thanks, Jack. Hi, everybody. I work with families, and and our division helps high net worth families manage their wealth. And we think of wealth in broad terms. We think of wealth equal to well-being. And so we know, because we've had lots of experience in this issue, that unresolved issues can negatively affect families' well-being. And we also work with family sustainability. That's our goal, is helping families sustain their wealth over multiple generations. And if you have problems in your family that are causing conflict, chances are it will hurt your family sustainability. So that's where we get involved. I love your approach to to you know this topic, not not necessarily this topic specifically, but just family office in general, right? It kind of feels like the holistic approach to wealth and financial management because at, at the end of the day, it all is connected, right? You can't you can't be wealthy without having trying to manage and maintain the personal relationship side of of that as well. So I. I always appreciate that approach because it's not one size fits all, right? We're all unique with different different issues, I guess, for exactly. for our topic today. So, I guess kind of talk me through talk me through how you approach this topic with clients specifically if you don't mind. Sure. Well, and just to add to what you just yeah. said, it's interesting when you study families and you learn about why families break apart. Mm-hmm. And sadly, the majority of families don't <clears throat> sustain their wealth past the third generation. Less than 10% are able to sustain and grow their wealth past the third generation, wow. which is, seems staggering. Yeah. You would, and, and you would think, well, why is that? Maybe they have bad financial managers. But that's not the case. That only accounts for 3% of failures. Sure. The main reason that these families break apart Part is because of lack of communication and trust. Mm-hmm. That accounts for, for the majority of the problems. And so when high-functioning family office groups know that, mm-hmm. and they focus on family continuity, and there's best practices of family con- continuity. And one of the main best practices is helping families communicate. And that's where we get involved. We do a lot of work with families in the form of facilitating family meetings, which is like the favorite thing that I do with families because, and I can't say enough good things about family meetings. Family meetings are just a great 
non-threatening way for families to resolve issues, to make decisions collectively, to work on personal development, and that type of thing. And we, we actually, I mean, not all families can do this. All families can come together and have a meeting. You don't have to be a high net worth family. I was just, I, I no. mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it in terms of my family. And it's something that, I mean, we don't even ever think to have a family meeting, right? It's hard enough to get everyone together for a dinner. Exactly. But at dinner is kind of how these family meetings start. Sure. So you get together for a dinner and you may talk about a topic and you may say, hey, where do we want to go on a family vacation? Right. And you all talk about it. There you had a family meeting. Maybe the family meeting took a half an hour. That's the way families start. And then you just build on that. When my kids were little, we always tried to make the point, tried to make it a habit to eat together. Sure. And we would uh, get them involved sometimes. And we would, I would say, okay, so... Next week, what are we all going to have for dinner? And and maybe it, my daughter got to pick one meal and my son got to pick another meal and I had the lion's share. But we talked about an issue and we worked through an issue. And mm-hmm. the issue was, what are we going to have for dinner? So it wasn't anything too complicated. But that's what I love about family meetings. Any family can have them. They don't have to be formal. It's just a way to keep the lines of communication open. And we've had some interesting things come up in family meetings when we facilitate a family meeting, chances are somebody will cry because one of the topics will really touch their heart and almost always will have family members better understand each other. Sure. I had one, well, more than one, I've had some very enlightened families say, hey, we got some issues and we don't really want to confront them head on. How can you help with that? And so I put together this activity called this pet peeve activity. Sure. And we set up like that a... That sounds productive, It's very... Way. Yeah, I know. It's hard <laughs> yeah. because you have to be pretty brave to do this. Yeah. But I'm thinking of one situation where the family was just amazing. But we did this anonymous survey. Even <clears throat> I didn't know who said what. And I said, you can, you can state up to five pet peeves in your survey anonymously and you submit up to five. And <laughs> I imagine they're like, can we do 10? <laughs> I've got 10. And then I put them down like on a graph because I'm an accountant by heart. Yeah. So everything goes into a graph, right? <laughs> so, you know, the mom was... The mom was mad that she always had to host family dinners or whatever. Sure. And well, the kids, some of them, we found out, well, actually, they just thought mom wanted to host the family dinners. And some of the adult children really wanted to host the family dinners. So the outcome of that one was that the mom was happy because she didn't have to have Thanksgiving at her house every single year. Right. And some of the adult children were going to do this. And we had we found out all kinds of things. And they mostly owned yeah. They're a pet peeve, but but not always. And it was funny how multiple family members had the same pet peeve. So, sure. so we work through things that way. Sometimes you have an issue that's just so big mm-hmm. that I always say, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist. That was okay. So that's yeah. my question because you're not. I mean, like you like you mentioned, you're you're formally an accountant right. by trade, so right. you're not formally trained in psychology I or therapy. Definitely so not. I feel like I am. I was sometimes. gonna say. Yeah. I'm sure sometimes maybe you you pull out more than a therapist or a psychologist. Maybe I don't know, but it's. I think it's incredible that you that you bring that to the table. But it's it's similar to a lot of things that we do around here at, at Lutz, right? I mean. 
I can't just approach a client from the technical perspective. I need to understand them. What are their wants and needs and desires of, of them as a business owner or as a company? And and how can I make technology fit into that? Right? Exactly. And so I, I think it's fantastic because the emotional, psychological side of it is so important. Yeah, it's just important to listen to whoever it is that you're dealing with and really trying to understand instead of just always trying to respond. Mm-hmm. That's something I I know I can always do better at and I and I try to work on all the time. But there are instances when I just say to a family, this is a big issue and I sure. think we need to bring in the experts. And we have people we work with in every area that sure. can, that can help us out. And in this case, I've I've brought in a marriage and family therapist that I work with quite a bit to help out with families. I've brought in addiction counselors to help out with families. And the good thing is, if you ask us, we've vetted these individuals. We know they're good, yep. and we wouldn't recommend them if we didn't think they were good. And and it's very un, we're not biased. We mm-hmm. don't get anything from that. We don't get any kickback or anything from it. We just genuinely want to help our clients and help our families. So sometimes we do that. Sometimes we we say, you know, the family meeting's not going to cut it. Right. You really need an addiction counselor for this child that's habitually having problems. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing, I think, because I feel as though high net worth families or, or anybody, right, they're trying to prolong a legacy or, or extend mm-hmm. their wealth into further generations. And so they think the first place to start is probably through financial management, mm-hmm. right? right? Getting good stock advice, getting good investment advice. And so that's when then you come into the equation and you probably say, sorry, guys, we need to start from a different perspective here because there's some foundational things that need to be fixed before you even worry about the financial success of, of your family. It's kind of about what keeps you up at night. And I haven't talked to too many wealth creators that have said, oh, it's my bad financial planning that keeps me up at night. No, it's will my will the money that I'm passing on to my children and grandchildren prevent them from having a purpose? Will it it cause them to have addiction issues? Will it really screw them up instead of help them? And and so we talk about having it having their wealth provide opportunity and then with the opportunity though comes challenges and those are what we work with on families about and and you know definitely it's 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 wonderful to have resources but you know the more you have the more you have to manage right well i mean that's a let's sit on that one for a bit because how do you help them overcome that concern of you know, will my wealth or my money that I'm passing on, will it reduce their purpose or, or make them feel like they don't have a purpose? How do, how do you combat that concern? I mean, I was thinking in my head, set up maybe a trust or something like that that you can't touch till you're 35. But I mean, even then you can't, re- there's a certain level of security that that allows you to have that maybe it does lead to some issues. Well, you really need to have kids develop resiliency and you can't do it for them they have to earn it so Mm -hmm. you can't just give them everything and not let them fail and not then let them work through problems and and so we work with them on how to do that and that's where we work with a group called the mcdermott method on resilience training for families but i really stick to the basic what are the best practices of family 
continuity. And those really help the children along the way. And it's the communication piece. It's having the grandparents pass down wisdom and advice to the grandkids. It's, it's, it's also figuring out shared values. Okay. I mean, if the family comes together around shared value, that is really a great bonding agent. It's working together on family philanthropy. Sure. It's helping these kids with personal development, which is where the resilience training comes in, things like that. So we we do have a lot of tools. I always say I have a lot of tools in the toolbox. And the biggest thing that the toughest families for me are the families where the the wealth creators, where the I, I call them the matriarchs and patriarchs, but just like the parents aren't necessarily together, the sure. family unit isn't together. It's re- it's it's harder. It's not impossible though. I mean, you can work through divorce issues and that type of thing, but it's a little bit tougher because you really need to be. Showing, I think, showing and passing on values as a family unit. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it just presents maybe not more or less challenges, but different challenges. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, those aren't the typical challenges that maybe get talked about or spoken about because not everyone is a high net worth family. And so um, I'm sure that's that's a big part of it, too, is getting over the concept of because you're wealthy, you don't have problems. Oh, right. Exactly. Oh, no, you have just as many problems. You just maybe deal with them a little bit differently. But the basic premise is the same for everybody. It's just like working through conflict. Mm -hmm. We have the same tools. It's the same. Like I talk about conflict in terms of my family when I give examples and it's the same conflict that people who have more wealth or less wealth Absolutely. have. And well, I mean, it sounds like obviously one of the main main things is opening communication, that line of communication. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the pet peeve exercise, but what is another way that you've successfully gotten communication, that chain of communication open, you know, for families to start flowing through that? Well, so can we talk? I have a few of my favorite things. Absolutely. On, on how to read. And it kind of comes around. We all, I talk about families, they say nobody gets a pass, right? Sure. So we all have conflict. And conflict isn't inherently bad. You got to work through the issues in order to grow. So I always say it's kind of, it's the whole concept of fair fighting. So how do you fight fair? If you go out and Google, there's going to be a ton of advice out there. I've looked it up, but I have my favorite things that I work with in families and I've seen work. And then I keep hearing about more stuff and trying it out. So these are your favorite. uh, These are my favorite like tips and resources. I got three of them. Okay. So, so the first one that I really like, I just heard a few weeks ago and I listened to this webinar put on by Casey Putney and he works for the Omaha Business Ethics Alliance. And he did this whole talk, and he's an and he's an amazing speaker. Sure, he did a whole talk on emotional intelligence and communicating like a leader. But when when he was talking, I'm thinking, hey, this this really will be a good tool for me to use and a good analogy to use because he uses the analogy of when you're having a conflict or when you have a problem, instead of like giving pushback and accelerating and and you know pounding on the issue and putting the pedal down and trying to accelerate into it. He says, just like a manual transition car, if you want to gain traction and go uphill, you have to downshift. Sure. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's I, an interesting yeah. way to think about it. Yeah. And so we t- and I'm like, well, what does that mean? So he says that downshifting involves stepping back, 
not giving pushback, but really trying to listen to the other person. So, you know, somebody's mad at you or somebody's got conflict instead of saying, well, you're wrong and I'm right. You say, well, tell me why you feel that way and help me understand. So you listen with the intent to understand. Sure. And I'm half the time I'm listening with the intent. Like if you're mad, especially you're thinking about what you're going to say. Oh yeah. Crafting it. I'm going to make this so that it really I'm going to get you back. I'm going to burn. Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. Just listen and try to understand. Ask questions. Just if you don't understand, you know what? Well, why do you feel that way? Why, why, why do you think I did that? I, you know, I didn't intend to do it. And then mirror back and, and, you know, and then reflect and say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of talk through it. So it's just, that's communication. And I, I love that he talks about that. And he gave the, he talked about like the different parts of the brain. And I didn't take that many science classes and I'm not good at very good at that kind of thing, but it makes total sense. Cause he says, when you, you have to resolve conflict using your upper brain, cause mm-hmm. that's like your rational part of your brain. Because if you use your lower brain, so the lower brain, that's your fight or flight, you know, and sure. you're going to fight. If right. you're in conflict and you're using your lower brain, immediately you're going to yell at somebody, you're going to fight. And if you use the middle brain, that's like your teenager brain. That's your emotional, emotional hormonal, yeah. you know, and yep. you know how you get when you get all crying or emotional. You don't want to do that. So it's all about stepping back and downshifting so you can use the upper part of your brain. So that's one I really like. Does that make sense? It does. And I think it's, you can, I mean, you can hear all different kinds of strategies out there for dealing with conflict or issues. And, and, and inevitably they're going to say, take a deep breath, yep. step away exactly. from it, collect yourself. Right. And, and I find sometimes I have to maybe step away from it for a day. Oh, Right. It's okay. not even, yes. I can't, no. I gotta sleep. Cause, Cause you're mad. Even in an hour, I'll find a way to find that anger. Right. Like there it is. That's not gone I got yet. it again. Yeah, right. I'm still mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know we all get that way. So that's, that's a perfect segue and good job on that for the rules of engagement that the McDermott method talks about. And, and that's so, Kristen, right? That's Kristen. Kristen. She's so awesome. She's amazing. That was so much fun talking to her. I need exactly. to talk to her again. You do. I mean, we all do. Yeah. So just because you you need to have that reinforced. But it's like anything else, you got to practice, train. You got to keep exactly. Doing it. And in her she in her resilience book, she talks about resolving conflict. And I thought I can't say it any better than Kristen. So I just thought I brought her book in here, and I'm going to read it. She said the strongest of families do not shy away from conflict. They understand that it is an opportunity to identify problems, find solutions, get people's needs met, and grow closer as a family unit. And I love that. I think that's perfect because it it puts it in terms of like, hey, it's okay. And actually it can be healthy and good. And she talks about, she's got this great assessment called the iceberg assessment that I think we're going to link to the podcast. Absolutely. And people should really download it if they want to. But she talks about three rules for de-escalating conflict, which is exactly what you just talked about. And the first rule is you have to agree to press pause. Like when you're so mad and it's getting heated, you have to say, I got to walk away. Yeah. But if you walk away, you have to agree to revisit. Right. Because otherwise, exactly. Because otherwise it's still there. Mm -hmm. You just left it there. And so you have to agree to revisit. And then she says, when you step away, she has this tool called the iceberg assessment where you actually like fill it out and think through, okay, this is the surface reason. This is what the above the water part, this is the 
of the iceberg. This is the surface issue, and that's about what the other person did to you. Right. But really, the underlying there's an underlying need that's what you need and why you were upset about the situation. And she used like the the child who had parents that they, he thought was micromanaging them, and he and so the surface issue is that the child is just mad and wants the parents to back off because they're being so controlling. Right. But really, the underlying need is they're always being controlling, but I really need them to trust me uh-huh. because I'm a person. I, wanna, I want to live my life in accordance with my own values, and they just need to step back. So No, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. It's actually Scott Kroger mentioned this. I mean, gosh, this might have been a year ago, but we were, I think I was talking about someone that aggravated me or something, and, and he goes, you know, it's, you can really kind of analyze those situations in a certain way because more often than not, there's about three, four, or five different basic needs that mm-hmm. you need from other people emotionally. And they may do something that on the exterior looks like, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they ignored me or something. Right. And them ignoring me made me angry. But no, actually what made me angry was that they didn't, I didn't feel like they valued my time or my perspective. Exactly. Right? And so that you can break it down into one of those things. What are the needs that I have that weren't met in that situation? And, and, and I, yeah, it's fantastic. Right. And what book is that from her? This is um, a book that I collaborated on with her. She wrote it. I just wrote the introduction, but it's called Resilient Family Capital, the 15 okay. strategies every family of wealth needs. Got and it. you can get that free from Lutz. Okay. So if anybody wants it, we can put there's it that on. one. And then there's the McDermott method, right? right. That's her, that's her like website, her website where she's got all the resources and you can sign up for all her blogs and all her articles. And, and so it's there really, is, really good what's stuff. What's the other, the other book that she has, it's, it's got, it's the larger, You're right. And I'm, it's got like it's the multiple, like, yeah, the strategies, strategies that just yeah. these strategies 10 to minutes, build yeah. or five minutes a day. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Kristen. Well, good. All right. <laughs> so yeah and uh i love her stuff and then there's another one that i really so that like. was the iceberg method right Right, that's okay. the iceberg method yep. and so the last one that i like to use and i like it because it uses a mnemonic and so it helps me remember it and it's the it's called otfd which is open the front door and this one is Dr. Tasha Souza is the one they attribute it to and it really makes a lot of sense. I've been trying to do it a lot more and the neat thing about it is it takes the emphasis from the you like you did it wrong and 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 I'm mad at you and to me to I feel this way and and this is what I think about the situation so it really it makes the conflict less defensive And so what it stands for is the O is observe, like you state the facts about what happened. So you you observe it objectively. Then you, the T stands for think. Then you tell what your thoughts are based on what you observe. Then the F is for feel. And that's how you felt about the situation. Then the D is desire. And that's your desired outcome. So I had this perfect, I'm going to use, I'm going to pick on my husband because he probably won't listen (laughs) to this. And so anyway, I can say this, but a few weeks ago he told me he was at a work function and it started at like five and sure. they were all going out and they were going to have a really nice dinner and they knew there would probably be drinks involved right. and so it was downtown and we live way out west and he said he'd be home around eight and 
Eight came and went. Then <laughs> nine came. No husband. No text. No, no text. And so I texted him. ETA? Question yeah. mark. Nothing. Then <laughs> ten o'clock came. Status? Question mark by me. Yeah. Nothing. So finally at like eleven o'clock, he comes home and I'm mad. Yeah. You know, and I'm but. I tried to be emotionally intelligent, and I tried to use this this OTFD, and so I said, you said you were going to be home at 8, and you came home at 11. That was my <laughs> observe. Yeah, and right. then I said, I thought you were hurt or had a car accident or something was wrong. Right. That's what I thought. And I said, I felt worried about you. Right. And next time, the least you could do is text me because we all know that that doesn't take much. Sure. And even if you're with a bunch of guys or a bunch of work colleagues and you don't want to look like you're texting the wife, sure. you can go to the bathroom and text. I don't know. But anyway, that was my example. <laughs> yeah. That's a great example, though. I mean, and even, I think even going through the exercise of, of A, remembering the, remembering OTFD and what they mean yeah. and breaking out, breaking down your feelings about the situation into those Next thing you know, maybe it's been 20, 30 minutes and you're a little bit more calm and, yeah. you know, after analyzing it that way. I think analyzing any situation allows me to relax a little bit and calm down and not be so emotional, right? Start using yeah. that top of your head exactly. as opposed to the middle of your head. Exactly. That's the biggest thing because you know that when when you like make a fist and you come at somebody with fists, what they're going to, what's their, what are they going to do? What are you going to do, Jack? Get defensive. Cut, yeah. You're going to get yeah. defensive. But if you don't, if you pull back, you use, you know, open, like open palm, yeah. they're going to be like, okay, let's sit down and do this. And I think often the issue isn't as bad as you think it is. Right. I mean, when you're in your lower brain, or your middle brain. Well, we've often, yeah, we've made it way worse in way, our head, right? Worse. I mean, you've you probably played through so many scenarios that he was hurt in such bad yeah. shape, right? And so it wasn't that bad. But in his mind, he was probably like, "Oh, I'm fine," but yeah. wasn't thinking about how bad it could be. Yeah, right. And so, oh, he was just having a good time. Yeah, and not even he wasn't even his. You know, his phone was not on vibrate. It wasn't on ring. Of it was course. in his pocket, and he was. You know, he was. Well, I, and I'm just saying. He doesn't do that it's very hard much. To so. <laughs> think about. He will you know, never do that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> One thing that that we've done as a family that I've really, really, I mean, it's funny after after doing it enough, it becomes now it's something we look forward to. But my mom and she does a great job of this. But she gets she she'll schedule or coordinate an event that we go to, like a concert or something. And every Christmas now, we go to a show called Yesterday and Today. Oh, I love that yes. show. Oh, at the going, Playhouse. Yes, we're going to it this oh. year. It's down at the Slowdown oh, this year. Oh, it is. Yes, the oh, McGuigan Brothers. Go. I love that. You got to. I'll send yeah. you. Yeah, look, look it up. I think do. we're going, oh gosh, maybe the 17th, uh, December 17th, something like that. But we've been going for like, I want to say it's coming on six, seven, eight years now. That's one of my favorites. And it's so much fun. So every year we're just, we look forward like, hey mom, are we doing this again? Hey mom, dad, you know, is this the plan? And, and it's... It's become something that regardless of what's going on and, and, you know, with us as a family or individuals, that just having an event, a fun get together like that, that we can look forward to, that we can all, we're all happy while we're there. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, so I think having something that you can do together that you can find common interest in is, is really important too. It is. That's totally a family bonding exercise. I would highly recommend that to families. I agree. Yeah. Yesterday and today. Yes. it's, It's a, uh. 
a Beatles cover band and they dress up like the Beatles and they sound like the Beatles. And you get to like say what you want to hear. I yeah. mean, you get to get, give requests yep. and I know I've been to a couple of those shows. We should we should start going. Look into it. Yeah, yeah seriously. Absolutely. Downtown down it's a slowdown. They're doing it this year. They had a funny video that they posted about it. So it's and it's really intimate, right? It's mm-hmm. it's only a few, I mean, a couple hundred seats that they put out on these shows and so think anything you can do like that, that's almost like having an informal family meeting. Agreed. Because it's a family event. And we say that actually part of family meetings, if you really get into a full-blown family meeting, so a part of a full-blown family meeting is fun. Sure. So I would say that is the fun part of the family meeting. You're going to go do that. And sometimes people have them at their cabin on the lake, and then they'll go boating. Or, you know, they'll just be at a great fun venue, and they'll all go horseback riding. So you're family yeah is going to a concert together yeah absolutely and, um, live I'm... entertainment i think is a great time we and it's funny one year we went to so let's see okay so trans-siberian orchestra yes. and they're the more hard rock one right yes yeah so that one over was, Mannheim. Yeah. yeah so Mannheim steamroller is kind of the older classic example right so we went to trans-siberian one year and that was awesome hard rock i mean cool intense music and then we went to Mannheim Steamroller one year, and we had grown up kind of listening to Mannheim Steamroller yeah. throughout the Christmas season. So we were all excited. This was maybe two or three years ago. We were all fired up. We went, and we were surrounded by you know older individuals, and it was a lot quieter. And we had kind of pre-gamed, and we were all ready to go. And so it got, and your mom won't ever take you again. Yeah. Well, so it, it got about three or four songs in, and we all looked at each other, and it is everyone is so focused on the show, and we go, we're getting out of here. So we jumped early. So we learned through that too, but it was we all felt kind of naughty leaving early, and it was but it was also fun as a family. I mean, we were all in the same Then you probably page. went and did something anyway. Yeah, I think we went to a bar or a restaurant. Exactly. We you kept going. Yes. With the you had a post party. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I yeah. think those that's been extreme. And so I commend, you know, my, my parents for... Putting, putting in the effort to doing that. They get it, obviously. They get the importance of that, that family bonding and yeah. and just the communicating as a family. And so I guess that's a, the thing. Whatever you can do to keep those lines of communication open. Yeah. If you can do it on your own, great. If you need a facilitator, I'm always here. I love giving well, family. I love hosting family meetings. That's the favorite part of my job. But just do something and, and don't let the little things, it's kind of like a little leaky faucet. Mm -hmm. If you let the little issues fester, they will grow and eventually like a water leak, it's going to burst and it's going to be a big, huge issue. And it might be the elephant in the room and it didn't need to come to that. And that's the biggest thing for me. The thing that makes me probably the saddest in what I do is seeing families where family members don't communicate and there's a lot of stories about families that you know half the family won't get together with the other half of the family it's like the Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing and that's just really you don't want that Mm -hmm. you don't want that kind of strife in your family it doesn't make anybody feel good no no and it's I mean it's often something that not always but Something silly, right? Yeah. And it just comes down to a matter of communication. Right. Maybe it's maybe that you're assuming people feel certain ways and you're thinking something that's 
more aggressive or more intense yep. than it is. It's definitely and, the assuming. Well, what I mean, you've mentioned reaching out to you. What are ways that we can help if anybody out there is listening to this thinking, you know, they would love to talk to you or sit down and discuss kind of, you know. Some. Oh, yeah. We're always happy. I'm always happy to field questions from people and and give a little advice. And you can you can reach out. You can find me under Family Office Services on the Lutz website. And, you know, you may not need to have a full-blown family meeting, but but I'm certainly happy to share resources with anybody out there listening. There's also using these three tools. I think we'll probably yeah. mention them on the podcast will, and, yeah. and start that way because there's a lot of really smart people out there who've created some really great tools that right. I am using with families and they work. Awesome. Awesome. Any other resources, anything else you want to leave leave the listeners with? Not that I can think of, but I'm happy to post it on the website. There's some really good books, too, okay. that I know about that maybe we'll list. Certainly. Too. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks Keep so much. Keep talking over the holidays, everybody, and enjoy your families. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lisa. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.